You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 148. Here we go. We are back doing this thing, my friends. Welcome to the Hello Awesome Podcast. My name is JC Lee Polford, and this is the last season, season 10. The Lord has moved me to end this podcast as he's been preparing me for a new season in life and in ministry. If you want to hear more about that, go back to the episode called New Beginnings, and I kind of share a little bit more about what God has been doing. It has been truly an honor hosting this show for you. The title of this season is One Thing, and you will see why as I ask my guests every week the question, what is one thing that the Lord has taught you in the past year? And obviously, this is going to be so good. So I have mentioned this before in past bonus episodes, and I don't want you to forget, but I am collecting podcast reviews, email messages, and voice memos on Instagram to compile a final episode as the celebration send-off for the Hello Awesome podcast. So if you have been blessed by this podcast or by any of my guests in the last four years in any way, I really want to hear from you. Please do me a favor, send all of your messages. You can send a podcast review or just a message about which guest has been your favorite and why, or a voice memo to my email or DM me on Instagram. My email is helloawesomeshop at gmail.com, and you can find me on Instagram at helloawesomelive. You could do the voice memo icon in the DMs for that, and I want to gather them so I can share them at the end of this season. I think it would be a really fun last episode where I get to hear from you and other listeners get to hear from other listeners and we get to celebrate what God has done these last four years. All right, what a privilege to kick off this last season with an anointed and beautiful woman of God, the lovely Cindy Fish. She opens up about her powerful testimony, the feeling of not being enough and how we have to keep saying yes to God. So, Let's get started, my friends. Here is the first episode of the last season of the Hello Awesome podcast. Here's episode number 148 that I am calling More Than Enough with Cindy Fish. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. This is the point where I usually share sponsored ads and all of my sponsors share their amazing deals that they have with you. But since this is the last season of the podcast, I just have to say thank you. Thank you so much for supporting these faith-based businesses these last four years. If you want to continue supporting anything, well, how about buying some of my books? If you go on Amazon, just type in my name, JC, J-A-C-Y, Pulford, P-U-L-F-O-R-D. And you will find all of my titles right there on Amazon. The awesome thing is if you have Prime, your books will ship in just a couple of days. I have on there some awesome devotions that will help you with your mental health, with forgiveness, with your power of influence. I also have Bible study guides if you're struggling with your devotion time or if you want to dive into the stories of seven ungodly women of the Bible. I almost forgot to share with you my modest fashion coloring books. I have three out right now, and the latest is a garden theme. It has florals, inspirational quotes, scriptures, and of course, beautiful modest fashion illustrations that anyone at any age can color and have fun with. Thank you guys for supporting the ministry of Hello Awesome. Be sure to check out my books on Amazon. And just because there won't be any new podcast episodes, 
does not mean there won't be any new books. So be sure to check those out. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am so excited because this is the last season, season 10 of the podcast. We are recording this ahead of time. It has been such a journey, and I wanted to bring in uh, some guests who have just some amazing insight, uh, and hopefully it'll bless you the way it has uh, blessed me. And I want to bring to you today um, a very special um, person that I have seen from afar who um, you may recognize her husband, Um brother taylor fish um who does revival services and things like that he's usually up in the front this woman is in the background usually handling a lot of ministry that we don't see and i wanted to have her on here uh cindy fish thank you so much for taking time away from your day and your lovely family to just spend with us here on the podcast can you just share with everyone listening if they don't know who you are and what you do Sure. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you for asking me to be on here. And also, I would say that this hour away is a welcomed little break. After I leave here, I'll probably go and get a coffee and run some errands. And so it's a good reason to get out of the house in a way. But um, yeah. my name is Cindy, Cindy Fish. I am 31 years old. I have three children, six, three, and some months, I don't know, 20 something months. He's almost two. And there's so much fun. Um, my husband's an evangelist. We travel the country full time. We have done that for almost six years now, full time on the road. And it is a blast and it's exhausting, but it's wonderful. And probably my favorite thing about what we do is just getting to meet new people. We're at right now we're in Bellevue, Florida, and we are leaving this week. And last night we were talking about, I was telling my husband about how thankful I am that God brings us places that just love us and love our kids. And we've been here for a while. And so you really make just deep connections that, you know, are lifelong friendships. And so that's my favorite part of evangelizing. The miracles are wonderful and seeing people get the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. And it's great. And it's exciting. Yeah. But you can see that at home, you know. Uh, so to me, my favorite part and what's different about doing this as far as ministry at home is the people. The people of God are incredible. And it's mm. my favorite thing is meeting new people. But um, I guess I don't really have a whole lot else to say about <laughs> me. That. Well, I mean, your plate is full, but so is your heart, right? And I... I see a lot of people who um, who have a lot to juggle, um, and it's easy for us to see all the stuff on the outside. Um, but the day-to-day, there's a lot of beauty in it, of course, in the challenges of being in full-time ministry. But there's so, there's so many great nuggets of blessings, and I'm so grateful for you guys that you are sharing your uh, your faith with the body of Christ, and you are— making yourselves available and God's using you both. And um, I really want to thank you for making yourselves available because it really has made a difference. And I mean, you guys are creating this legacy for your kids and I think it's so beautiful. Thank you. I think that's the best part. I, um, I didn't grow up in the church. I got the Holy ghost when I was 18. And so since having kids, I can't tell you how many times a week I think, what do I want? my kids to see? What do I want them to know? What do I want to instill in them? And so, you know, creating a legacy, the things that we do, it's where we try to be really intentional to make ministry wonderful for them, ministry, a blessing and a privilege for them and for them to know why we're doing what we're doing. And it's not just to run ourselves ragged, but it's, you know, it's for God, it's for the kingdom. And so I love that you said that. Well, this is just, a, this is so different than um, this season is going to be so different because it's the last of this podcast. And so I usually have a bunch of questions for all of my guests and we're going to get to the main topic in a minute, but I just want to just sit for a minute and just, um, you shared that you weren't raised in the church and I, 
also have that same testimony. And I want to encourage somebody out there that everybody's testimony is different. But I heard from um, Brother Victor Jackson on on his podcast, he said something that was really intriguing, that when God looks at us, he goes from the end to the beginning. He sees who we can be, and he works his way to where we are and where we were before. And God just knows who we're supposed to be. And I'm so encouraged by just you sharing that little nugget of behind the curtain of your testimony of it's okay if your testimony, how God brought you to this point, brought to, brought you to this relationship is not the same as other people. Um, that doesn't mean that you're, you're, it's going to change your legacy. Um, so I was just curious of, um, if you don't mind, if you yeah. could share a little nugget of how that happened for you coming to the Lord. Sure. Um, when I was 17 years old, I moved in with my dad. My parents are divorced since I was four. Um, I moved in with my dad for my senior year of high school. I had never been in church. I'd never really been around the church I had gone to Baptist church camps uh, with a friend and that's about it. Mm. Um, Easter Sunday church, those kind of things, but not consistent and not faithfully. And I definitely didn't live in a, a godly home, but my dad in 1999 worked next year, next door to a car dealership, worked at a car dealership, which was next door to a, an apostolic church. And he went over there and he asked them if he could pray in his, their church on his lunch break. Mm. And they said, yes, brother Jason Cisco was there at the time. And he said, yes, you can come pray here anytime you want. And so my dad started doing that. And eventually my dad started going to that church, got the Holy ghost was baptized in Jesus name. And you know, 1999, that's a long time before I would have come, but in 2010, I'm or 2009, I moved in with my dad. In 2010, after the end of my senior year of high school, I received the, the Holy Ghost. I When I moved in with my dad, I didn't want to live for God. I thought that he was crazy for his beliefs. I thought it's the things I had heard, you know. Sure. I thought that when I went to the church, I thought they were crazy. I remember <laughs> one specific funny thing on Super Bowl Sunday. I had to go to church that night and I was so mad. You know, all my friends went to a Super Bowl party and I had to go to church. And I remember telling my friends there was an evangelist there that day. His name uh, is Ken Cook. He was there at the time. And I remember telling my friends, there is this crazy evangelist last night. On Monday, they're like, well, how was your Sunday? Because theirs was fun, according to us at the time. Mm -hmm. And mine was boring. And so I told them, I'm like, there was this crazy evangelist. And he was screaming and he was standing on the pews and, you know, and we all laughed and everything. And it's funny because now I'm married to a crazy evangelist (laughs) that screams and stands on the pews and runs around and jumps and spins. And uh, what I thought was so just alien at the time Mm -hmm. is life now. So my opinion did change. I I came to a, a youth camp that summer a whole year school year of being in the church around the church. And I just didn't want it. And I didn't allow myself to open up, but I went to this church camp in Texas and brother Doug White and brother Matt Tuttle were preaching. And there was, when I drove up to the camp, I remember saying in my mind, I was in the church van and I said, God, if there's something here, then I want it. And if not, I'm going to go do my own thing. I had college plans career goals. And I I knew what I wanted to be. My life was a mess. Other than that, I was just reckless and did whatever I thought I could do, you know, mm-hmm. but and I, went, I went to that camp and there was something there. And by the end of the week, God filled me with the Holy ghost. I came home, was baptized in Jesus name immediately. And I started living for God. And it was like, there was no back and forth for me. When I got the Holy ghost, I knew this is what I'm going to do. And so Mm -hmm. that is my story. I, at 18, 2010, that summer, God filled me with the Holy ghost and I have lived for him every day since, and I've made a lot of mistakes and 
you know, done things even since that I, I'm sure I wish I wouldn't have done, but I, I have lived for him. And every time I've messed up, I've just got back up and I don't want any other life. See, now my son just came in the room. Hold on one second. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I am so encouraged by that story. Um, I just get excited when people share their testimony um, because I can relate to so much of it, but I also know that it's going to bless someone. And so um, I know we just took a detour, um, but uh, I love that. I love that so much. God, he just knows um, what our hearts need. And um, at that young age too, it is so easy to um, shut down what God wants to do um, because we want to be independent. We want to do our own thing and, you know, we're going to be adults and, um, I was 21, 22 when I came into church. So I understand that as well. Um, right. So this, this question that I'm going to be asking my guests this season, um, the Lord kind of put it on my heart not to um, send a bunch of questions to my guests, but just to send them one question. And it was um, as I was studying and I've uh, listened to a couple of uh, preaching that confirmed this to me in Luke ten forty two, the story of Martha and Mary. We know most of us, the struggle in that dynamic of Martha as a servant and she's serving and with her hat with her hands and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha gets frustrated and she tells Jesus to make Martha make Mary come help me and this um this phrase that Jesus says kind of just pricked my heart and it's in Luke 10:42 when he says but one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her and the Lord posed this question um, that he wanted me to ask my guests. And so I'm going to ask you, what's one thing that Jesus has taught you in the past year that you will never forget? So the one, the one thing I, I kind of struggle with that because I'm like going through the files of my brain. What, what is the thing? And I realize it's, it's kind of this reoccurring Thing that God has spoke to me in the last year and pushed me and just tried to to grow me and stretch me in this, but the the one thing would be that I, there's many times that I felt inadequate, that I felt inferior, that I felt just that not enough. Um, sometimes God speaks things to you and you look at it and you're like, God, I just don't think I can do that. Someone else, yes, and I'll cheer them on while they do it. But for me, I just don't see that. And so about in the last year, there was a time where I was packing. I was packing my bags. When we pack, we pack for two months. And so I knew that a few weeks away, there was a ladies service that I was going to speak at. And I thought, okay, make sure I pack something that I'm comfortable with. And so I'm packing it and everything. And as I'm packing, you know, all these thoughts just come to me. And it's about this outfit that I'm going to wear. And it's the silliest thing. Um, but, you know, the devil just gets a foothold wherever he can. And yeah, this is something that I have to push back and fight, not regularly, but many times through my walk with God, I have well, these thoughts just start coming who, you know, who do you think you are and why would they ask you to go? And, mm. you know, that vein of things, Yeah, you're, you're nobody, you're not enough, you're whatever it is, you know? And I just, I got so mad because <laughs> I've fought that many times and I got so mad. My husband came in and I, I was like, no, I'm going to tell him. I, I didn't want to tell him. I thought, no, I'm going to tell him the voice that's come because it's like when the devil comes with, with those kinds of thoughts, whatever kind of, whatever vein it's in, the, the negative thoughts, you know, that come and you know, it's not me. 
It's not me because I didn't think that I wouldn't have thought that, but, um, and you know, it's not God. Well, I told him, I spoke it out loud because the, the voices and the, the things that try to come when you speak it out loud, it's like a silencer, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. uh, the voice of a bully brought to light. It gets a lot quieter. And I have learned that through the years. Okay. If something like that happens, I'm going to speak out about it. I'm going to tell my, I'm going to tell, you know, friend, my husband, I'm going to speak it out in prayer, whatever I've got to do, because I'm not going to let that voice just keep playing in my head, you know? Um, But anyway, so he, I told him, he's like, that is the devil, you know, and we don't blame everything on the devil, but we know we have, you know, discernment enough to know when, when it's the devil, you know, and and it was, and it was attack on my mind. So anyways, following that two days later, my son came and he, we're having a conversation during homeschool. And he starts telling me about the miracle of the little boy with the loaves and the fish. And he, he says, mama, I know why that was a miracle because Jesus broke it into the tiniest pieces to feed all those people. Well, he's six. So, you know, numbers to him, it's like, yeah. <laughs> think of thousands is so far away, so foreign. But I said, no, baby, the, the miracle is that Jesus made that little boy's lunch, made really little enough for the people. And as I'm talking to him, you know, I'm like, in my mind, my, my thoughts are just racing, like just preaching to myself, hey, I might have little, I might have not enough, but God makes it enough when I give it to him. And that would be fine. Right. And I was encouraged, but I went and I read this story and I realized that God didn't make it enough. I realized that, um, when I read it was these people, every person there, it says they ate until they were satisfied. They ate to fullness. They didn't eat to just get by or scrape by or just be enough. No, they were satisfied. And not only that, there were 12 baskets that remained of pieces, extra pieces. And so God just that day, reminded me that my little is not enough in his hand. Mm -hmm. He makes it more than enough. Whatever I have, if I just place it in his hands, whatever I'm, I might feel like not enough. And I might feel insignificant at times. And I might feel like I don't have words that, you know, fully portray what God's speaking to me or, or whatever it is in the moment. But that if I just say, God, I commit myself into your hands, I commit this message or I commit my words into your hands that he makes it more than enough. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you know, that, that saying yes, that initial yes. And then saying, God, I just place myself into your hands and I trust that you'll make it more than enough has been just something that has rang in my ears since that moment. And that understanding has allowed me to be bold in situations where I'd usually be timid yeah, And it's given me confidence when I do walk through doors, doors of just conversation with somebody, you know, sometimes you're running errands and God tells you, go speak to that person. And you look and you don't want to, and you, you feel like they're going to think I'm, I'm just crazy. They're going to think I'm dumb, whatever it is. Um, that moment with God, where he's like, no, I don't make you enough. I make you more than enough. There's plenty, you know, mm-hmm. um, has given me a boldness and a confidence. And I've known that, but sometimes when you're right in the middle of it and you need a word for that moment where I had just had voices saying, who do you think you are? And all this stuff right before I was going to go minister, I needed that extra boost of confidence and I have needed it a couple of times since. So that has just rang in my ears many times since that day. Uh, Wow. I can so relate to that. And I mean, first of all, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because I know that there are people out there who are listening, who have those voices going on and God has called them to do something or told them to do something. And they have thought, who am I to do it? Who am I to um, be told that they are going to operate in this way? Um And I know I've had uh, conversations with my pastor recently about this to where when you said the word confidence, it's like, yeah, when, when God tells us to do something and he has confirmed it to us, um, through his word, um, but also confirmed that he's equipping us and Mm -hmm. helping us and guiding us. 
that's where our confidence comes from. It's like, I think people misinterpret like confidence when they see um, a person doing things for the Lord and the kingdom that, oh, they're full of themselves. They think they harness the power of God. And maybe some people are like that, but for the majority of us, when we step out and we are doing something, we're confident because it's the, the Lord has, you know, guided our feet and has given us confidence because he has showed us the truth among the lies. And I think there are a lot of us that when they, sometimes we get to that point where we feel stuck because we have such doubt and we have such um, low self esteem or, or even just insecurities, just being insecure. Um, And then we, we feel stuck and we almost are confused now what the calling is because we don't want to admit that um, that that voice is wrong. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm listening. Um, I, I don't know that. I think, I think truly we know when there's thoughts like that, that come, we know that it's not true. I think some, sometimes we wallow in it a little too much, you know, instead of immediately when the thought comes saying, that's not true, that's a lie, you know, (laughs) who's the father of lies, like, and so realizing the source. um, So I do think that when thoughts come, no matter the, no matter the kind of, you know, word wording that it comes in, we do have to fight against that. And so it does take some extra energy and some extra effort. So I think Mm. with us, we have, we can't just sit there and let it, like I said, I'm not going to let it replay over and over. We've all done that, you know, where we just didn't feel like we had the energy or we felt so beat down that we just couldn't fight against or speak against or, or tell ourselves that's not true and stop the cycle of the voice. Um, so I think that it just requires a little bit more energy from us and a little bit more um, effort, effort, you know, be tough and get up and be like, no, that's not true. I'm not listening to that. I'm not replaying that. I'm not thinking mm-hmm. that. What is God word? God's word said about me? What are the promises that have been spoken? Right. And like leaning into that side of it mm-hmm. to shut those voices up. You know, I mean, yeah, we don't have to listen to that and we don't have to replay that. And we don't have to just wallow in that of you're not enough. You're nobody or whatever it is to you, because every one of us have different weaknesses or cracks in the wall. And those are the voices that will come, you know? Yeah. 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 I agree. You're right. It's, we have to shut, we have to shut those voices down because then they start taking over our thoughts and changing the narrative of how we see ourselves and how we see um, uh, the situation and something that's meant to be positive. We start to fear it and turn it into a negative because of all these voices. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, that's something that I, this is just confirmation of something that I've been writing about is just that we start to um, adopt those like false words as true and saying, mm-hmm. you know what, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to ever be that way. I'm not ever going to uh, be a good speaker, or be a writer, whatever the Lord is calling us to do. Um, and then we forget who God is telling us to be. Um, right. And yeah, that's, I think, why it's so important to be in his word. And that's why I love devotion. And I love um, encouraging um, young ladies to spend time with God and have a personal relationship with God so that you know his voice when you hear other people talk to you or you hear thoughts come. You can recognize and say, oh, no, that's not from God because I know his word and I know how his voice sounds like. Right. Yeah, um, it's true. It's important that we have our own relationship with the word. Not mm-hmm. only that, you know, how many times if if you're in your word and you're and you're consistent in the word, the word speaks, you know. Um, so to say that as 
I can't tell you how many times that God has spoken to me using the word, not while I was reading the word, Mm, but like he's spoken a portion of scripture to me. And, and then I go and I'll look it up and I think, wow, God, you know, and it's not scripture that I had memorized, but it is scripture that I had consumed and I had read and I had more than once, you know? Um, so being consistent in our word gives God another avenue that he can, he can speak to us through. Right. Right. And it's, it's something we can stand on. It's something that's not going to change. And, you know, I often tell people that we have to be careful the voices we allow into our lives because they're going to change the narrative of what we tell ourselves and in our thoughts. And if you're constantly around people who are negative, I mean, no offense, even if they are in the church, if they are a negative person, I think if you truly are in the word and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, um, you should have a lot of joy. I'm not saying that you're not going to have moments where you're you know, down and we're not perfect whatsoever. Um, but there, but if there is, if there is a voice that's, that's consistently, um, negative or, um, always trying to downplay what the Lord has given you or, um, undermine the word of God, we should question that. And we should be very careful to, um, allow ourselves to adopt those words as facts. Um, and I know that's kind of hard because uh, relationships with people are very complicated. <laughs> they can be very complicated. Um, right. And that's why I think there's such a gift to have the word of God um, because he knew it was going to be complicated. And he knew that it was complicated among the disciples then when they were arguing which one was his favorite or better. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and Jesus was right there in front of them in the same room. Um, he was right there. And, uh, and so God knew that we were going to have those kind of situations with each other. It wasn't going to be perfect. And, and I am so grateful that he just, he knows what we need before we even realize we need it. Um, and that his word is alive and that the same word that he gave you, it might, um, he might, use it in a different way to bless me, but the meaning doesn't change. Right. And the heart of the word doesn't change because it's him. Um, so I just, uh, hopefully this is an encouragement to somebody out there right now that um, if you are struggling, um, just try to have confidence in what God told you in the word, even if you don't see it come to pass. Sometimes that takes time. That's true. Um, I want to add something kind of, uh, this, this thought is really two parts. So, and I think I had mentioned that to you that just the thought of giving my little to God and saying yes, and letting him turn it into whatever he wants to turn that little lunch into, you know, um, but also, when you feel, if you've ever felt that way, if you've ever felt inadequate or inferior, or just felt like not enough to do the job that God is asking you to do, not enough to walk through the door that God has set before you, there is almost a feeling of shame when, and I think, I think that happens to a lot of people when, if they wrestle with the call of God, um, and you know, the call of God on our life changes in different seasons of our life. So what God asked of me when I was 19 and I really just received the Holy ghost looks different than what he's asking of me right now, because he grows us and he stretches us and he, he doesn't want us to stay the same. And it's been, I'm 31. It's been a little bit of time. So you have to keep saying yes to God. It's a thing where in a new season, he he shows you something else or he opens a new door and you have to say, yes, I'll walk into it again. Yes. I'll say yes again. But, um, that feeling where you don't feel enough or you feel like, I don't know if I can do this, God, that feeling you feel kind of isolated and feeling that because when you look around, you see everyone's outward acts and you look and you think, you know, no one else has ever felt this way because everyone I'm looking at is pursuing the call of God and doing it just mightily, you know? And so I realized though, 
in, in this, and God has pointed out so many stories in the word of people that their initial answer was, I can't. And they, of course, in time, they had to change their mind and they had to just get in line with what God wanted. But that initial feeling not enough or feeling like, God, I can't do that. I, you know, I know my own shortcomings. I know my own flaws. And, and so in myself, there, there was a time or even not that long ago where I'm like, am I the only one that's ever been intimidated by the call of God? You know, um, but God, you kind of said it earlier. God has this great habit of looking at people that he's chosen and seeing them for more than they are. Yeah. You know, uh, I could name some like Gideon. That's a, a really common one to name where the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And what's his response? Um, his response, he, he kind of responds with like, what are you talking about? And then God, it says, God looked at him and says, go, and you're going to save Israel from the hand of the Midianites a direct word. God tells him where to go, you know, what to do, what he wants to do with him. He's going to use him, tells him who he is. You know, we talked about that, not knowing who you are in God. He says, you mighty man of valor. And it's while he's hiding from the enemy and, and God comes and gives such a direct word. But even then Gideon's response to this great call of God is I can't like you got the wrong person. He says, I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the least, I'm the lowest. And my family is poor in our city, very poor. And so it's so, it's so wild that God would come and say something so specific, but his answer would still be no. His answer would be, don't you know all my flaws? Don't you know all the reasons why I can't God? And obviously Gideon says yes. And it takes many times, many times of going back and forth with God to say yes, or, you know, Esther, God looks at, at this orphan Jewish woman. And many say that she was young as what was the common age to be married at the time. Um, but he saw this woman that had the strength, the wisdom, the boldness that it would take to be the tool that God would use to save his people. Well, she didn't feel that way about herself because when it came to her that she needed to be bold and go before the king and that the lives of her whole people were at stake. She, what was her initial answer? I can't, you know, I'll be killed. And she had this long detailed answer and Gideon, right. He had this long detailed answer of why he couldn't. And for us, when the call comes, we have this, we have this, all these reasons why we can't. But the truth is, is that no matter the reason it's invalid because God says you can. And so to me, the second part of, of, you know, learning to say yes to God is also realizing I'm not the only one who's ever felt that way. I'm not the only one who's ever felt not enough. Moses, Moses, God would call him, God would meet him at a burning bush and call him and say, uh, you know, I'm going to use you to, to deliver my people. And he tells him how he's going to do it. Even he, he tells him, you know, I'll smite Egypt with my wonders. And Moses still says, what does he say? I don't have any of this in front of me. I'm just, uh, Moses says, I'm slow speech. I'm not a good speaker. He says, they're not going to listen to me, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, my husband has preached this point before it just, I was just reminded of it. God tells Moses, he says, what's in your hand. And it was a staff. It was this thing that was a part of his everyday life. It was something that he already had. And that was a staff that God would use in the, in the, uh, in Pharaoh's court to turn into a snake and eat up all the other snakes. And it was the same staff that he would, uh, stretch over the Red Sea and that it would part. And it was the same staff that he would dip in the water and it would turn into blood. It's one of the, one of the plagues, one of the things that would happen. But in that case, especially God says, look in your hand. You know, all your reasons why you say no are just invalid because I've already given you something that I'm going to use. And that's kind of like the little boy with the lunch. What did he have in his hand? We don't have to have a lot. Really, a staff is not a very exciting thing. You know, as far as Moses, that's not, it's not different. It's not, it doesn't stick out. It's nothing, nothing Mm -hmm. glamorous or enviable about a staff, but God just said, whatever you have in your hand, what the thing that you already have in your possession, I'm going to use that. And obviously God grew that, you know, and, and God did so much with a staff that Moses had never seen done before. So it's really just that 
that saying yes, but also realizing that if I feel like I can't, I'm not the only one. And so I really can, because we have all their examples. Every one of those, they ended up saying yes, and they ended up victorious in what God had already said they could do. Amen. And I think it really boils down to the idea of reminding ourselves, God's not telling us to do it because we're perfect. And he's not telling us to do it because we already know how to do it. It's he's, he's whosoever will, right? He wants us to be willing. And if you have a willing heart, that's who he can work through. He can't through, he can't work through somebody who is unwilling because God is a gentleman and he's going to allow us to invite him in. Right. And so I love just how tender he is, how sweet he is, how he's not this bigot tyrant that people like to assume God is, but God really is a gentleman. And he's like, I have this calling for you. This is what you are called to do. If you say yes to me, I will be with you. I will walk with you. And when you were talking about Moses, it reminded me too of that moment where he had given Moses a vision of bringing his people out of the wilderness and God, you know, Moses is saying, you know, how am I, how will I know? How will I know? And then, you know, God says, my presence will be with you. Right. I will be with you. And Moses still says, but what if your presence is not with me? Yeah. And it's like, we can, we are all, we all have a little bit of Moses in us. It's like, Mm -hmm. I know what you said, but what if? And God is just trying to remind us that don't worry about the what if, because if I am with you, I'm going to take care of that. What if, you know? Yeah. And you know, there's a point where you have to let go of all your what ifs and just go head first into it. You know, the people in the kingdom that we look at that do just mighty things and in the word, there's a moment where they just go all in. And they just go with boldness and with passion and really tapping into the power that we have in the Holy Ghost. And so we we all have our what ifs, you know, but there's a point where we got to, you know, just like toughen up and just push back all the what ifs, you know, and and all the questions and all the you know, anxiousness surrounding it or whatever, whatever it is, and just go for it because every one of those people in scripture. And there's more than just those, um, you know, Saul, when he was, he was anointed King and then it was time for him to come and be seen in front of the people, the King that had been chosen and they couldn't find him. And it says that God, they had to ask God, God, where is he? And and God says, he's hiding among the stuff or among the baggage. (laughs) And so even in that great moment, like don't you think there was a little fear there? I'm going to be the king. There's never even, we've not even had a king, you know? And so even, even just people that we look at as great there, they've all, everyone's had that fear. Everyone's had a, a wrestling with calling. Everyone's had a wrestling with, you know, doing what God wants them to do. But there's a point where you got to throw it all aside and just go for it. Yeah, definitely. It's reminding me, um, all of this is just such confirmation of, of what I've been studying on my own, which I love how the Lord works in that, in that way, but how it's easy to say, okay, God has given me this vision or this dream, you know, like Joseph. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing about Joseph is he really didn't have that, uh, discernment. He was very boastful when God gave him the dream and the vision and he shared it with people he probably shouldn't have shared it with, <laughs> yeah. um, because it's like, Joseph, you know, your brothers have this problem with you. Why would you tell them these things? Um, But it's like, there's a difference between somebody who um, sees that vision, that calling and is living in that dream, but they don't follow through. And when people see things that maybe you have done, you know, you and your husband being evangelists and they've they almost put people on like pedestals and even like with this podcast or me writing books, they, they seem to, I, I could tell where, how they view me or how they view people by how they word their questions and people are well-meaning, but 
it's like, how can I do that? Because you have done X, Y, and Z. And it's like, we just said yes. Like you said, we, we just said yes. We, that's part of the follow through is you, you, you go from being a dreamer where you see the vision, you go through that season, that process of doubt. And eventually you either have to abandon the vision or abandon the dream or abandon the calling, or you say yes. And that's just, that's literally the only difference between a dreamer and a doer is the follow through. And that doesn't mean that the follow through uh, means that we know exactly what we're doing at every moment at any given time. We are really, that's where faith comes in. That's what faith is, is the knowledge of who God is and helping us guide us every step of the way. It's the evidence of things unseen. And I, I, and I, and I hope that, you know, the Lord really gives those listening a fresh revelation of, of, of what we're talking about here when it comes to vision and calling dreams, you either can, you know, abandon it and not do what God wants you to do, which we all have gone through that, um, at some point, um, in some way or another, or you just say yes, like you were saying. And I, I just love that because saying yes is just you telling God, okay, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do the next step, but I am willing for you to use me. And if you say yes to God, he will give you that next step. Even if it's small and you're not sure how you're going to get to that um, initial calling or vision or dream, if you just say yes to him, he will, okay, this means that you're willing, so then I can now show you the next step. Yeah, and and you know, when when God gives you a dream or calling or direction, you know, Joseph didn't get to that dream overnight. He saw it how many years, I don't know the number of years, I wish I did offhand, but how many years before it actually was fulfilled. So there is a dream and there is a calling, but there's also a journey to it. And a lot of great things happen on that journey, but there's also hard things. And so it's sticking with it, sticking with the journey and pursuing a constant pursuit of just God and not, not a pursuit of, of, uh, titles or, um, you know, people's, I guess, satisfaction with you or being noticed. You're not pursuing that and you can't pursue that. You have to pursue just God, just God. I'm just pursuing you. And you were talking about not knowing the next step, but I think that sometimes after saying yes, the next step can be very practical. The next step for us, maybe we don't know exactly what to do in that avenue of, of calling or of the dream or of the door that God's opening, but you do know a practical step. A practical step is Mm -hmm. always, you know, applying yourself more in daily devotion and giving yourself over to more time with God. And also, you know, giving yourself to be available to your church, to whatever your church needs. Um, There's plenty of needs in the local church. And so that is a practical next step is where can I apply myself right now? Um, yeah. I just listened to a podcast was the Haka podcast. Um, oh, Brother yeah. Charles Ramonette was on it and he talked about, you know, if someone feels a call to missions, he said, if you feel a call to missions, you know, that's that, that's that dream. That's that thing that, that you would look so far forward to, but really he said, there's stuff you do right now. He said, if you don't look in your local church and not see, you know, many, many people that you have personally went to God, well, that's where you start because he said, you know, it's just this thought of how, how will you go far overseas? How will you go do this far away thing if you're not doing it in your local church? And so he was mm-hmm. even talking about that. That just came to mind of, you know, a practical step is doing something right where you are. Serving right where you are, you know. Right. Right. And I think that's when um, it's easy for us to get lost in the big picture in our own mind and um the big picture is just you obeying god <laughs> right that's really the big picture and like you said 
um, what we sometimes think are little things are actually big things. Um, I hope that we don't look around our local, our local church and think that, um, you know, my calling is, is bigger than where I am here. I think that, yes, God probably has a calling for you, maybe, depending on the person, of course, the situation. Maybe he is calling you to a different a place, a, a foreign country or whatever. But right where your feet are, that's the mission right here. And what can you do to help the body where you are now? And I think, like, I really appreciate you saying that because I do think that God wants to just see us um, willing to serve wherever we can. And like you said, saying yes can be very practical. The next step can be very practical. Okay, then maybe that means starting a local Bible study. Yeah. To you, it might seem so small, but to God, nothing is so small. It's all about souls. And that's not a small thing. Right. Definitely not a small thing. There's nothing more fulfilling than you know, grabbing a coworker or a friend and starting a Bible study and watch just their eyes light up as they see the word of God come to life and apply to them. Um, yeah, we, that's, that's not a small thing at all. Well, um, I want you to just, um, to just share, I mean, you've shared so much, um, already that I, I, I think it has a lot of value, but, what would you say to the person right now who is still really struggling with feeling inadequate? I mean, you did share a lot of 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 encourage encouragement to that person. Um, of course, my children are yelling. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to start over. (laughs) So what would you say to the person who just can't help but feel so inadequate? They they can't help but replay those negative narratives in their own mind, um, struggling to say yes to the calling of God. They are kind of obsessive, I guess, over um, the next step, but they're kind of in that limbo if you know what I mean, what would you say to that person who maybe is just confused and who's struggling right now? Just a second. (laughs) So to someone struggling to say yes, I think be honest with yourself and think, do I really have a prayer life? What's my prayer life like? What's my time with God look like? You know, and and if you think, yes, I do have a prayer life. Well, is your prayer life only asking for things or do you have a relationship with God? How well do you know him? I I think, you know, in all, all the stories that I've said that we've talked about in all through the word, we see that God does what he says he will do. He's not a man that he should lie. He cannot lie. So if he tells you something that he wants to do with you, he really wants to do it. And he has infinite resources and just, he sees all he knows. Like there is nothing about you that he has not seen. There's nothing about you that he doesn't know. And he still looks at you and says, I can work with this. You know, uh, the other day I, I was thinking about what does it mean to be in the hand of God? And I thought of that analogy of, um, you know, the clay and the potter and he, he is the potter, right? We are the clay. And so you think of like this lump of clay and that's kind of how he starts with us. He starts with us and we're just this, you know, no form to us. Not really as far as walking in whatever he wants for us, walking in the call and where there's this lump, you know, but if we're in his hands and if we allow ourselves to be molded by him and just pliable and let him change you, let him grow you, let him stretch you. He can make something so great with you if you let him, but it's in keeping yourself, keeping yourself in his hand 
and not jumping out when you don't like how it feels and not jumping out when you don't like what he's doing or what he's bringing you to the journey that you're on. Joseph's journey, I read that uh, it ended up being 22 years from dream to fulfillment. And I think it said 11 of them were in prison, 11 years of not fun and pain. And it didn't look like what he thought it should look like. And so for us, we can go through that and hopefully not 11 years of prison, but you know, time of pain and time of testing and trying. And even if it doesn't feel good, not, not jumping out of his hand, you know, and not being so hard that we refuse to let him mold us, but it's being pliable. And, and what does that mean? How do you be pliable in his hand when you, when you're in prayer and when you're talking to him, be tender and let down every wall and I think in knowing him more and in spending more time with him, that is a lot of where confidence comes from. And I don't know how I didn't say that before this, but really evaluate your time and, and just try to give yourself over to prayer. And I know that everyone has schedules and all of that, but you know, you say the one thing, one thing is needed. One thing, really the one thing is relationship with him. I know I've said the one thing that he's taught me, but the one thing that's needed, you can look at all your list and the most needed is time with him, intimate time with him. That's what, that's the difference between Mary and Martha, right? Mary had that intimate time with Jesus. And when you have that, when you have that, just, just tucked away with God and just, you know, wherever you got to carve it out from, I've, I've done it at nap time. I've done it while rocking a baby to sleep, but man, I was just tuned in and I, or, you know, late at night when the kids have finally gone to sleep or mm. early in the morning, when I've been woken up by a kid, I put them down and I feel like, Oh God, you're calling me to prayer, you know, and I don't always get it right. But that to me, that's the thing that is, that is a key is, what does your prayer look, look, life look like? Are you allowing yourself that time alone, you and God, where it's personal and it's not lists and it's not, you know, begging and it's just, God, I just want to sit with you and be in your presence. I just want to sit at your feet and be in your presence. And you will be shocked if you have not done that in a while, or if you've not done that consistently, or maybe you've never done that and say, God, I just want to sit by you. I don't have a list. I just want to love on you you will just be shocked how you feel when you get up something about uh, brother Jeff Arnold says this in a message. He says an unknown God cannot be trusted. What is it that makes us not, not feel like we're enough to do what God has already said that we could do. We don't trust him. Yeah. So if we'll know him, if we'll spend time with him and, you know, of course, when, when the voices come that like the, the voice from hell comes and says, you can't, whatever, well, yeah, do what I said earlier, you know, um, and, and find truths in the Bible that, you know, this is what God says about me or write If you have promises over your life or prophecy over your life, write those things down. And when, when voices come from hell that, that say, Hey, you can't, or you're, you're not enough, or don't you know who you are? Don't you know what you've done? That's one that happens. Sometimes we're reminded of past things that are under the blood. Uh, then you get those promises out, prophecies out and read them. But, but in the meantime, get alone with God and get to know him in a personal way more yeah. than before, push yourself for more than before. And I think that a confidence definitely comes up, comes when you get up from that type of a prayer meeting. Absolutely. This is such a blessing to me. Thank you so much for sharing your heart. I am just in awe at just your words have just confirmed so many things to me personally. And I'm grateful for you and for, you know, your husband and, and you know, your ministry and, um, of course, your willingness to be vulnerable and to share what God has taught you is is such a valuable um part um, of being part of the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for being on the podcast and um, let everybody know where they can, you know, find you online, find your family, social media, all of that. 
okay, I, I had to pull up my Instagram because I didn't know my name on there. Um, on Instagram, I don't post very often, but it's cindy.e.fish. I do have a podcast and I just share personal stories, personal moments with God. I have sometimes have interviews um, and that's called at his feet. And uh, I'm also, we have, I have Facebook and I think it's just under Cindy fish, but I'm not, not a huge social media person. I usually just pictures of my baby, but, um, on my podcast, I, I talk a ton and, and share a ton and a lot of vulnerable things like this and real stories, just real life. I don't know another way to be, but, um, my husband, sometimes he put, he posts a good bit and his is, I think just Taylor fish. On, oh, it says Rev Taylor Fish is Instagram. Um, so if you want to see maybe where we are or what God's doing, he does post a little more things about that, our travels and doors God opens. Thank you so much, Cindy, for being on the podcast. I I was just so blessed uh, by our conversation. Thank you for having me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at HelloAwesomeLive? I would be so encouraged. Also, please leave a five-star review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sharing how God used this to bless you. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.